were starting the Abigail DeGroote, um, the Queen Abigail DeGroote School <laughs> of Education. But no, I would not. totally name it that. Yeah, that's totally. Yeah. That totally fit. That totally it would sh- totally be the name that I chose. <laughs> Which is so apropos because that just fits yes. sort of how you walk in the Yes, world. please. You're Put my name on a building. Totally. That is what I want. Welcome to Hallway Conversations. We're a trio of educators who have plenty of questions about teaching and learning and school culture, and we believe in the value of reflection and collaboration as we seek to keep growing as teachers. This podcast is our place for thinking out loud together about issues in education and why they might matter to Christian educators. Welcome to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Hallway Conversations. My name is Matt Beamers. I'm Abby DeGroote. And I'm Dave Mulder. Friends, we're always looking for topics of conversation and feedback, so please email us at hallwayconvospod at gmail.com. That's hallwayconvospod at gmail.com. Your feedback is important to us. We'd like to hear from you. Absolutely. So Dave and Abby, Darren speaks as a friend of mine back in British Columbia, and I know you you both know him, and he's doing some excellent work for the Society of Christian Schools in B.C., each day during the school year, like from Monday to Friday, he has what he calls an Ed Thought of the Day that he posts on Twitter. Mm-hmm. It started during COVID when someone challenged him to do that on a daily basis, and now two and a half years later, he's still going. And so is COVID, I guess. Yeah, hey. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair. I was really, space space. Yeah, <laughs> good luck with that, Darren. <laughs> I was looking through some, of, through some of them, of the past ones that he put, and I realized that, A, there's a lot of good questions on there, mm-hmm. and B, they, they are good questions because they often irritate me, but in a good, <laughs> in a good way. Productive irritation. Yeah, because they challenge me to think about school or things about school that I've never thought of before. Sure, yeah. Anyways, as I was scrolling through Twitter, I came across a question that he posted last spring that I found quite intriguing and found myself thinking about quite a bit around the fire over the past weekend. So the question that he wrote is, what's one uncomfortable truth about how your school does school that needs to go and why? Oh, man. So let's think about that. What's one uncomfortable truth? So maybe I'll amend that a little bit, but if you were starting a school... What uncomfortable truths about how we do school in general mm-hmm. might you change? What what would we need or what would you do differently mm-hmm. if you were starting the Abigail DeGroote, um, the Queen Abigail DeGroote School <laughs> of Education? But no, I would totally name it that. Yeah, that's, totally. Yeah. That totally fit. That totally it would sh- totally be the name that I chose. <laughs> Which is so apropos because that just fits yes. sort of how you walk in the yes. world. Yes. <laughs> Please, put my name on a building. That is what I want. My name is Abby. Name everything after me. This is my kingdom. Anyways, anyways, I was just thinking about that. Um, Yeah, like if we were to start a school. So I like the idea of thinking about uncomfortable truths um, just coming out of a K-12 context in in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. It's a good question. Yeah, and and one of the things that I, I thought of um, is uh, a couple of weeks ago we had a speaker, Kelly Capic. Yep. And at one point, um, he was, it was such an encouraging talk, and I encourage people, maybe we can put a link to the book that, yeah. that we read as a faculty right. here, Dave. But um, one of the things that he talked about is often how um, when schools ask things of teachers, um, it's, it's about mission and vision. Mm-hmm. And when teachers ask things of schools, um, it's a business. The, the school's the, response is, the school's a, response oh, is more business-like. Yeah. And, yeah. and the reason that was convicting for me is 
because I know I've done that as a principal. Yeah. Like I've, I would often ask um, teachers to, to step in and do things. Sure. Um, you know, an extra, whether it be an extra recess, um, extra supervision at some school function, um, all things that I think I thought were part of the business of teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, or was part of the mission of teaching, sorry. Yeah, yeah. All things that were part of the mission of teaching. And yet also found, so I would hope that they would say yes. And sometimes I found myself looking for ways to say no when approaching, if I'm honest. Yeah, and so that, yeah. so I think one of the things that I was thinking about was just how do we make sure um, that there's a business component to school, but how do we make sure that we're guided by the mission, the mission. In, in all things? Mm-hmm. And so that, that'd be an uncomfortable truth. That, when I read the question, that was mm-hmm. an uncomfortable truth sure. about my own leadership that I, I right. had to confront. Right. And so, um, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll start there. But Abby, how about you, if you, if you think about <laughs> starting your own school or maybe an uncomfortable truth yeah. or, or things that you even look back at your practice and you say, yeah. boy, if I had another shot at that in high school English. Yeah, I think I've come to understand over the years the uncomfortable truth that grades do not do what we think that they are doing. Mm, yes. What did you used to think that grades did? <laughs> like, yeah, I thought, you know, like I was, I don't know that I questioned it. Because this is just how we given. do school. This is how yeah. we do it. Yeah. Mm. This is what it means. This means, yeah. like, it's, you know, it equals effort plus ability, and mm-hmm. this is what it measures. And I'm less and less convinced of that Yeah. the more that that's, I teach. That's interesting. Cause I, that, where my brain went to, Matt, when you raised that yeah. question was around as, questions of assessment yeah. and how do we actually communicate right. what students are learning. I that's think what it I'm does communicate compliance. I think it communicates oh, yeah. an ability to do school. Yep. Yeah. I don't know that it communicates learning. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so, so there's an uncomfortable truth, mm-hmm. right? Thinking that this communicated mm-hmm. something that, and realizing it doesn't or right. that it communicates compliance, right. not learning. I, I, so, I'm pretty convinced that so it what, communicates compliance. <laughs> In your in your yeah. new school, then what might assessment look like? And I know there's right. a range of possibilities, and yep. I'm putting you on the spot Abby, because oh, that's good. because yeah. truth be told, I came with this question like we did in the old days without telling you what it was. Right. So yeah. this is yeah, this is the really, first we heard of it. Yeah. So so the little history for those if you haven't listened before that back in the day that was very much the way we started the show was yeah. one of us would come with a question and like spring it on people and yeah. we're thinking mm-hmm. on our feet. So here yeah. we go. Okay. So this is okay. I'm springing this so, on you. So I still have to give grades, mm. right? Because yeah. I, I live in a system that requires it, right? And I do think there is value in some ways to that numerical, right? Like it has utilitarian purposes. Mm-hmm. Yes. As yeah. far as GPA and yeah. scholarships and yeah. all of that. I have to I live within that system, so I still yeah. do it. But I will I have tried to build my assessment much more qualitatively. Yeah. Um, and not to rely hmm. On, on those numerical grades. So I guess in a new school, I might do away with them completely, right, mm-hmm. and rely a lot more on qualitative feedback. Mm-hmm. So, for right. example, my teaching and education methods class this year. So high school English teachers would be high school English teachers. They mm-hmm. This is their methods class with me. Yep. And it's we're, what, two weeks in? Mm-hmm. Um, and they had to get up in front of their classmates. It's only a class of six, which is nice, um, and teach a lesson this morning. Mm-hmm. So they had to design and teach a 20-minute read aloud this nice. morning. Nice. And we all gave warm and cool feedback on sheets to them. And then we, we went around the room. I started. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I should also say, I modeled a read aloud and had them give me yeah. warm and cool feedback yeah. the day before. Good for you. Right? And then, so we practiced that way. And then we practiced giving each other warm and cool feedback in yeah. the moment after the lesson. Yeah. And then we gave mm. each other our, our sheets. And so, you know, these poor juniors and seniors don't know what they're getting into, but two weeks yeah. in, they're teaching. Yeah. Yeah. Right? In front of their class. <laughs> and, and I tell them, I'm like, I'm not, your grade is going to communicate that you did this assignment. Oh. The real feedback here is this qualitative feedback. Yeah, that's right. So I give them full credit if they come and they do what I ask them to do. But the real feedback mm. happens on those sheets. Right. And in that moment, yeah. around that's where they learn. I'm convinced of it. They don't learn because I gave them... 20 points in my grade book. Mm. They learned because they got qualitative feedback from people in the room immediately oh. mm-hmm. after doing that exercise. Now, quick clarifying mm-hmm. question. There might be people who are unfamiliar of not going to use the protocol of warm and cool feedback. Yeah. Can you just give a brief description of yeah. what that looked like in case somebody's looking to add that to their right. teaching right. toolbox? So, sure. so I just use a very, very simple, what do I notice? What do I wonder? Mm-hmm. Like it's literally a T-chart yeah. and we just write in it. And the notice is usually the warm feedback. So these are the things I noticed that I really liked about your lesson, specific things. And these are the things I just wonder about. And wonder is a pretty safe question. And so for that, and I tell them, I'm like, you know, the, you learn well with specific feedback in both columns, but sometimes growth happens even more on the wonder side than it does Mm. on the notice side. So so receive that as gifts. And so we do a lot of talking about this before. I don't just throw them into it. Right, right. Um, There's gotta be a cultural component in terms of safety. And like I said, it it helps that there's only six of us. It makes it a pretty safe place to try things out that way. Try things out, but I was very impressed with the quality of their feedback to each other this morning and the way that they leaned into that um but i am absolutely convinced that that qualitative feedback is much more valuable than anything i put in a grade book numerically yeah so an uncomfortable truth would be your transition from how you used to view assessment Mm -hmm. and how you did it to how you might Mm -hmm. do how you are doing right i over relied on the numbers and the grades And I'm, I'm learning to lean more into qualitative, uh, quality, qualitative feedback. Thank you for sharing that. Yes. Thanks for being vulnerable and yes. sharing that. Yes. Yes. How about you, Dave? I know you're, you love thinking about assessments, so you can keep going down well, that track or so take I, it a different direction. I, that, that was my immediate thought when you brought up the question mm-hmm. about, about Sorry, assessment. And, no, I'm so glad you did because <laughs> this is a really valuable, I, I'm learning yeah. just by sitting here and thinking about things in the courses I teach. Could I use that? strategy of warm and cool mm-hmm. feedback just the way you're doing it i think i think that would be something that teachers in general should practice more of mm-hmm. watching each other teach and learning from them and right. we can learn from other people watching us by that warm and cool feedback too mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Um, for me the thing that i've been thinking about is um, the practice of averaging grades and early in my teaching career that was like all i knew I'd, I'd never even thought about another way of generating a grade and i think that's a practice that i've just become convinced isn't sound, uh, averaging grades. Um, And the reason I say that, I want to clarify that and qualify this a little bit. Um, We don't penalize people, human beings, for not knowing how to do things when they're learning them any place except in school. Mm. Right, the place where formal education happens, and then we penalize people for not knowing how to do things at the beginning. That's mm-hmm. really what happens with averaging grades. You're saying at the beginning, just when you're getting started, you're going to do this stuff that's practice, learning how to do it, yeah. and it impacts your overall 
because mm-hmm. you're averaging mm-hmm. things, right? So the analogy would be, um, let's say you're learning to, to play hockey, for yeah. instance, right? So yeah. you're practicing shots on goal here, uh, but in practice now your stats are going to impact your game stats. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. you're the, that, that's what we're doing in mm-hmm. school, right? Uh, if you're learning to play a musical instrument, you're you're bad yeah. when you start, yeah. right? And you get better the more you do it. But that's right. that should be the way we do things. And I just feel like averaging grades is is misguided. We got to stop doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was, you know, I was thinking. I think I've always put high value on um, trying to elevate student voices. Mm-hmm. But oh, I think yeah. one of the uncomfortable truths if I think about my own teaching was really people didn't really have a choice if they wanted to participate in a class discussion. Mm. And not that, so, you know, you, you cold call people. Right. like, and, and I think just even um, realizing that there's, diff- there's all kinds of reasons, many of them that, that I'll never know about as a teacher, that on any given day someone's not in the space to participate in, in that way. Um, and so, like, for, yeah, for any, any, any reason, right, that, that, I think, making passing normative in a class, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I just assumed, oh, like, what do you think, Dave? And, and people would sit there and wait Don't time. Don't make me say. Yeah, oh, right? And, right. Wait, and I think wait <laughs> and wait time. I would, like, giving mm-hmm. people, so just even the idea of, when I put a question, I pose a question to them. Hey, take thirty seconds to do a free write. Mm-hmm. Just brainstorm mm-hmm. some ideas. Like, just be in te- be intentional about, um, yeah, getting some thoughts on. Because because I know now, like, what I feel like if I'm called out to answer a question in public yeah. oh, that I don't know was going to be asked of me. Right. In front of my peers, whether you mean kind of like what we're doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> One hundred percent. I like it. No, but I think that's a really important point. Seriously, that that idea that you can be fully participating even if you don't say anything. Oh yeah, for sure. That's a really important truth, and it's uncomfortable because, like, how do I know what my students are thinking? I got to get them to say it somehow. Well, they can write it. Yeah. You get body English. I mean, we got to be careful. Uh, observation is not a great assessment strategy no. always because you don't really know what they're thinking. But, no. I mean, facial expressions and body English tells you a lot. You shouldn't ignore it either. Right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. No. Yeah. The, the other thing that I was just thinking about, it, an uncomfortable truth, I think, in, in schools in general is that we need to start getting a more imaginative around scheduling. Ooh, um, I yeah. just feel like we have that... Hmm. The, the inability, and I count myself as being part of this problem. So, again, this is not finger pointing of, of we've always done it this way. Right. And it works. <laughs> However we're defining the word, it wor- like works here, right? Yeah. It works because it's the way we've always done it. And yet it just becomes so hard to imagine a different way. And all we see is barriers instead, right. of, instead right. of opportunities. Um, I talked to someone yesterday who, at their high school, they switched to three periods a day, 100 minutes each. Whoa. And at the end of the year, they're going to evaluate if they if it worked or not. And if it didn't, they're going to reevaluate again. And I just like that idea of, like, even mm. in scheduling, how do we play in the sandbox? Mm. You know, I, I sometimes wonder if... Like, if I look at it and say, if I had to design a school and you said to me, you know, those 17-year-olds, we're going to move them through eight 45-minute blocks a day. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that too many people. I could be wrong. You can correct me if I'm wrong here. But I, I wonder how many people would say, 
Yes, that's it. That's a great idea. That's a great, that's a great <laughs> with a, idea. With a bell. With a bell. That rings. <laughs> that rings really loudly. When it's time to go. Yeah. And then everyone in the hallway. Oh, trying it's all to get elbows. to the next. Yeah. 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 So I just wonder, I wonder what opportunities we might be missing out on in terms of student learning, mm. um, teacher creativity even. Um, in terms of not reimagining right. the schedules, or and, just just have the conversation. Yeah. Even what could yeah. just and not that you have to implement it right away, but just to have a conversation as a faculty that says, if we were starting from scratch, what, what would, would we do? do? What would we do? <laughs> I, I wonder about that, right? Because I think sometimes there is this lack of teacher imagination that that we're like, well, this is what we've always done, and we just kind of yeah. throw our hands up and it's like, I can't imagine a different way of yeah. doing it. But like, what if we would build it from scratch? Is this yeah. is this the way we design it? Yeah, is this what we're doing? And and even the separation of spheres, right? How can we blend and yeah. move yeah. toward more holistic learning yeah. between and among mm-hmm. subject yeah. areas and. Some team. And well, I, I see that, especially at the secondary level, right? Yeah. I, I had a colleague, when I used to teach middle school science, I had my colleague who taught math, and we would deliberately co-teach several units a year where yeah. where the students would be drawing from things they're learning in math class and the content they're learning in science class, and they would do a project. like yeah. we'd, both, we'd co-plan it, co-teach it. Um, sometimes it meant the, you know in our own classes, I'm doing mm-hmm. science content that connects to what they're doing in math. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times we'd get them like all together, all the grade 8 students together in the lunchroom for a double block mm-hmm. with yeah. all of them. And then you can do some really important work that still taps into both of us bring our disciplinary expertise mm-hmm. to the table. Yeah. But the students see, oh, like the things we're learning in math class have real world implications. Mm-hmm. So the things we're learning in science class actually draws on all this math mm-hmm. that we're learning. Mm-hmm. And, and nothing in the real world can be splintered into one no, one right. thing only. No. Right. Right. No. There's elements of, and that's just God's design as yeah. well. It's holistic. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, we visited a school over spring break. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they did interdisciplinary studies. I mean, mm-hmm. what was that? Was that physics? And yeah, there art? was like a no. physics and art block. Physics and art block mm-hmm. together. That'd be amazing. Like, yeah, but I, yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't imagine it. But right. when you talk to these teachers, it was so invigorating and inspiring for and, them. And there was like a theater or something else. Yeah. yeah it, it, was, it was. So, yeah, I just wonder about in inter, interdisciplinary studies, what that may look like from mm-hmm. K to 12. And I also wonder what is... What is cr- like cross the grade studies? Like, could could a grade three and a grade ten do something mm. together? Like, I just think oh, I think about what might that look like mm-hmm. cr- cross age. I, I remember talking to someone too that <clears throat> the thing that they they did differently or reimagined was um, this idea of looping. So you're not done with your students in June or May when the school year ends. You actually so in grade one you have them and then you continue on with them in grade two and. And maybe then you go back. But just this idea of, like, you loop a couple years with them in terms of deepening your relationship with them, becoming an advocate, knowing their not only their academic needs, but their social, emotional, Mm -hmm. their spiritual needs. So even that, right, this idea of, like, you spend one year and one year only with the same Mm -hmm. students in in elementary school. And um, I sometimes think about that even... I remember when we at the school, I was a principal, we had um, combined classes. So, you know, some people call them split classes, but we had a grade one, two um, combination class. And I remember asking, you know, who do you ask to teach the combination class? Because that's, I mean, that's complex. It's demanding, right? right? It's new challenges. And I, I remember asking 
um, Carolyn Meyer, just an amazing teacher. Um, would you consider teaching a combination one, two class? And I'll never forget her response. Oh, I'd love it. That's where you get to do all the fun stuff. Uh, yeah. And I was just like, wow, like what, like, what a, a, what a gracious mm-hmm. response. But just the idea of right away, she just imagined the possibility yeah. of the things she could do in there mm-hmm. um, with students from at different age levels. So. Right. Reese has a, my daughter Reese has um, a class with quite a few needs in it. And they have a, an aide who is a former um, teacher full-time she's retired and she's come back as their aide and she's followed them now she's a fourth grader and she's followed this aide has followed them mrs DeGroat, ironically no relation to me um (laughs) since they were oh i can't remember if it was kindergarten or first when she started with them but i was talking to one of her fourth grade teachers yesterday and she told me yeah what because we're talking about what a gift mary is to that to that Mm -hmm. class Mm -hmm. and um she was saying yeah she just knows those kids so well, I mean, she can anticipate, totally. she can respond. I mean, what a gift she is to those kids, because I think even more so than the teachers who are meeting them for the first time right, again right, right this year, for for even an aide to follow mm. them and to have that knowledge of their personalities and their needs and their mm. abilities is just such a gift to that class. For sure. Yeah. Well, Dave and Abby, thanks for reimagining a little bit. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, this Darren, is great. Darren, thanks for the question. Mm-hmm. It makes me think we need to get Darren maybe on this show. Oh, we right? should. We, we should interview just, him. Yeah, we should interview him. He's always he just has a different angle and a different take on things. And like I said, I come away encouraged and challenged that anytime I read those tweets or, or anytime I talk to him. And so, yep. so Dave, on our show notes, maybe we can put a, a link to Kelly Capix. We can also put a link to uh, Darren's Twitter account. I'd be happy Because to do that. I think it, yep. if you don't follow Darren, it's definitely worth a follow for sure friends we know your time is valuable and we want to thank you for joining us today for another hallway conversation whether it's this day this week this month or this school year we hope that the lord gives you what you stand in need of and we want to send you from this place with a blessing so to our listeners may the lord bless you and keep you may the lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you may the lord turn his face towards you and give you peace amen have a good week everyone thanks for listening this podcast was literally dreamed up during one of our actual hallway conversations Our music is by Ethan Mulder. Hallway Conversations is created and produced by Matt Beamers, Abby DeGroat, and Dave Mulder. Hey, we have a favor to ask of you. Would you be willing to rate this podcast or write a review in your podcast app? Or if you found this conversation interesting or helpful, would you consider sharing it on your social media? Those things really do help podcasters out, and we would be so, so grateful. Thanks for listening, friends. Good stuff. Yeah. Thanks for that question. Oh, it was a good one. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, we should dream. Yeah. We need a better imagination. No, totally.